0: How much racing have you guys done? Racing? Yeah, racing. None. None. No. No. I, you, we have ninety-five cars. And we're a team of seven.
1: No, I'm thinking you personally. No,
0: I don't have time. No, there is there is there, there's no time. There's no fun this is our fun time. Right fun now, time. this is our fun time. All right, Heather. Yes. Uh, do you have any uh, racing, us, uh, right?
2: <laughs> Any any racing things you'd like to talk oh, about? Gosh, oh man,
3: so uh I tried to race a moped on the beach once and it didn't go well. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Hey, everybody. Welcome to a new edition of the award-winning Talking About Cars podcast number 141, where it's all about everybody has a car story, from celebrities to car personalities. And we've got some fun for you coming up today. I'm Randy Cardoon. This week, we take you back to the Classic Auto Show at the Orange County Fairgrounds, where Will Scott... The painter from the TV show Graveyard Cars and his lovely lady, Heather Jones, came by the Talking About Cars Great American Auto Scene booth and talked with Hot Rod Bob Beck and I about the TV show, working with shop owner Mark Warman, and just how many cars do they have in that Graveyard Cars yard and who really owns them. But first, it's time for Talking About Cars News! <laughs> If you're into celebrity cars, you're probably aware of the Batmobile, kit from Knight Rider, the Green Hornets' Black Beauty, and even the Partridge family bus. But I know there's one celebrity car that's not in your collection, and I'm sure you probably don't have it in miniature anywhere in your uh, toy box. Remember the TV show Ozzy and Harriet? You remember it if you're a certain age. It began in the early 50s, starred Ozzy Nelson, a former band leader and his former lead singer and wife, Harriet Nelson, and their kids, David Nelson and Ricky Nelson, as in teen singer Ricky Garden Party Nelson. That's right. Rob and Judy Johnson now own the Nelson's 1956 Pontiac 870 wagon, and they want to sell it.
4: We've owned it for uh, probably a little over four years. Uh, we were living in Southern California at the time, in Orange County. And I'm a car hobbyist, and I've probably had 40 or 50 that I pr- predominantly built myself. And my wife and I wanted a, a wagon, and I didn't. I wanted something different. Didn't want a Chevy. I was in possession of a a, a barn find uh, Bonneville uh, Salt Flats uh, car built in 1949 with a lot of history. That is a, there's another story all on its so own, how I found that. However, I had it. We stumbled across this car. It was uh, online at a consignment uh, company back in North Carolina. And I had possession of this old race car and I had traded it to Ray Evernham, who was Jeff Gordon's crew chief, NASCAR crew chief for a, a time period for a 44 pickup that he owned. And um, in essence, I traded the 44 pickup for this wagon. Um, we did a, we did a straight across trade. So Ray actually owned it? Well no, Ray owned a 40 Ford pickup, right? Um, and I owned the race car and he wanted the race car, so we traded. And then I was in possession of his truck. I decided I wanted to move it. and we found this we found the Ozzy and Harriet car, on this website back in North Carolina. So coincidentally, his pickup came to Southern California where the Aussie wagon was originally from. And this wagon happened to be on consignment at a place in North Carolina. So I traded them for Ray's raised pickup. So the pickup went back to North Carolina and the wagon came back to Southern California after the trade.
2: How much of acquiring the wagon was because it was a wagon, and how much was because it was Ozzie and Harriet's wagon?
4: We wanted a wagon that was unique. And the fact that it was, I mean, I'm 66. I i was born in, in uh, October of, of the year that that show was, it began its air on television. And I just remember growing up watching it, and my wife and I— um, we're in love with it and we we when we first when my wife and i first got married we owned a 54 pontiac uh Chieftain. and so we were familiar with pontiacs that's that's why we elected the pontiac but but the notoriety of the car to me was was pretty fantastic and in, in that it was a, a a rare car to begin with and it was a celebrity car and it had uh, you know all the options, low miles, and and had some and had history to it.
2: Who found it first?
4: Well, my, Judy, is standing here. Judy, <laughs> okay.
2: Judy, you can speak up. That's okay. You can be part of this. You no, get he, you get paid the same amount as your husband. In fact, I, I'll I, give you twice as much if you'll speak up.
5: <laughs> I saw it when we were looking um, online at station wagons. I spotted it just because of the color. I love the two-tone and the green that was in it was just a really pretty green and the, the look of it we loved. So we just clicked on and that was before we knew it was Ozzy and Harriet's car. And then that was just an added bonus because that's our era, you know. A lot of people don't know about Ozzy and Harriet. <laughs>
2: I was going to say, that show was from, I think it ended in 60, gosh, what was it? Uh, yeah. In, mid-60s-ish? Yeah, 66, I think. It ran from
4: 52 to 66.
2: They didn't do much after that. I think they actually, I think they had some show called Ozzy's Girls, which landed one season because Rick and Dave had already moved out of the house.
4: Right.
2: And
5: well, It's funny, not to interrupt you, but um, a friend of my parents, was a good friends with um, oh, Harriet. And they would, you know, get together for lunch and for tea. And um, she ended up giving, it's either David or Ricky's baby pillowcase to her, which she gave to me. Um, and so she, you know, um, Paul Williams... Uh, also, was like part of that group and used to like hang out at their house and and practice with their son. So um, that was in when they,
4: Laguna Beach is is when they were living there with this car. There,
2: so. Ah, I see. Okay, sounds like you guys are turning into a little bit of a you know Ozzy and Harriet. Uh, you got a bunch of Ozzy and Harriet things. <laughs> well, what do you still have that? Uh, do you still have that pillow thing?
5: Yeah, I still have the pillowcase. It, it, you know, it's a baby pillowcase. Of course, it doesn't have his name on it, but I know it was his, so, you know, just pass, it doesn't matter. Passed down through the family, I yeah. guess.
2: I guess you framed it already and put it on your wall.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, with no name on it. Right?
2: Exactly. Well, you know, you could say what it is. I'm just, yeah, I'm honest, take my word for it.
4: That's how we acquired the car race truck went back to North Carolina and the car came back to California so, so
2: how much have you used that car over the last four years?
4: you know it, it's it's interesting I we, we used it quite a bit in California and we moved here about three years ago and unfortunately in transit um, it got bumped uh, in the taillight and if you're if you've got a safari wagon you're familiar with how rare. Uh, Pontiac 860 and 870, and and those wagons tail are cast.
2: Well, yeah, for, especially from that year because it's basically the Chevy body, and instead yeah. of the Chevy tail light, it's it's something completely unique.
4: It is. It's unique only to 860, 870 uh, wagons built in '55 and '56. Unfortunately, one of them got got broken. And I'm pretty anal with how I build cars, and uh, I decided, you know, we got some insurance money out of it. And it, I wound up finding a pair of them for $1,200. And the guy w- the guy wouldn't sell me one. I had to buy the pair of them. $1,200? Uh,
2: for, yes. for Just for the taillight section of that?
4: Y- yes, and that didn't include the lenses, which were about another $200 a piece to find NOS, uh, new old stock lenses. Wow. So, So I got it with, you know, it, there was a slight amount of body damage around the light and, you know, the color of that had some light metallic in it. And at the time I decided, you know, I'm just going to do the car justice. Um, And so I, I took it to a body shop uh, here in outside of Phoenix and we pulled all the glass out of it and I put all new rubber in it. We did a complete glass out, uh, repaint of the car in its original colors. So it's, it's, uh. It, it it turned out really 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 good. Um, you know the cars the car is a fifty two thousand original mile car, and um, and most of the interior is still original. All the door cards, um, you know the the masonite or whatever they put down in the in the tail section, the back seat, all of that's still original to the car.
2: So what you're saying is. Ozzie and Harriet actually sat in your seats.
4: Yeah, yes they did. And, and and Ricky and David and uh it was their family car um, until it was sold and it was also used in The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet um four or five times and it was also in a movie and I have that documented somewhere I can't yeah, I have a I have a copy of the movie. Oh, but do then, you? Yeah.
2: <laughs> you have a copy of the movie? Okay. Well, that's actually <laughs> smart because you can you can take still frames from that or something like that. Just even, yeah, even with your phone.
4: Right. Yeah. But uh, it, it so some of the history of the car. You know, they it bought it brand new in in Burbank. It was a Pontiac dealership in Burbank, and uh, they used it as their personal car. And when they were done with it. Um, you might remember this. There was a museum called the Cars of the Stars Museum in Buena Park. Right, and um, it wound up there, and it was it was maintained by that gentleman, and I have his name. If you know, if I, I wish I had the cars up on a lift right now, covered up, but I'd get the other information. It it was in that museum for a long period of time, um, and then it was sold to a a. a um, a radio uh, show that was going to they used it um uh, they toured it around back east for a while and it was a giveaway car and there was a gentleman that was a pontiac collector that that put his name in the hat for it and it was a drawing and the the uh the word was that, that the name they drew didn't call in in the the amount of time that was allotted uh to win the car and so they drew another name and lo and behold the guy that was the collector wound up with the car um and he kept it for a long time it passed hands to another collector in uh, outside of in texas outside of dallas um and then that gentleman actually uh traded the car into the consignment uh, company in north carolina uh with, traded that car in plus some money to buy a uh a muscle car from. It. And that's where
2: it sat until we bought it or traded it. Is this but the first uh celebrity car you've ever owned?
4: Ah, uh, let me think about that. I think so, yes.
2: So yep. now that you've had this experience with this car, and by the way, there seems to be a question whose car it really is. Correct?
4: What what's that? Uh
2: who whose car it really is? Yours or Judy's?
4: Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, so, so that's what you're right. She wanted the wagon, and, and and she's right. I when we bought it, I said it was, you know, that would be her cars because I have a I have a couple other cars. Okay, and Judy, uh,
2: it's official now. So uh, anytime you ever want to make sure it's going to be on a podcast,
4: the car is unique in that it's it's a fifty-two thousand original mile car. It's a factory air power steering, power brake, power seat factory air car so it has pretty much every the option that you could get other than power windows i think at the
2: time since you have a celebrity car and you're trying to sell it and you will i'm sure what's the next celebrity car that's number one on your celebrity car i want to buy list
4: oh god you know i i I think if I could have one of the early James Bond cars, that would be pretty incredible. But
2: somebody asked me, "Why are you selling it the way you're selling it, as opposed to running it through Barrett Jackson or something like that?"
4: Well, interestingly enough, it did go through Barrett Jackson in '05, um, and it, that's when it wound up uh, with another with one of the, the collector in Dallas, I think, and. Um, and I, I, thought about doing, running it through Meekum. They just had one here for the first time in Phoenix. Um, I I'm just not a big, no reserve guy. You know, I, it's cause you don't the way the market right now is for in, any collector cars, you know, it, it's unfortunate, but, um, that whole dynamic has kind of changed and it's, it's generational now. And, uh, and what I mean by that is it, it it you know the younger kids don't have the interest in it. Um, there are a lot of them out there that do, but unfortunately uh, that the whole collector car dynamic is is changing and so I, I really didn't want to uh, run it through a no reserve auction because I you know i'm I'm a pretty conservative guy and i I'd hate to I'd be crying if the thing went across at twenty thousand dollars
2: oh yeah so, no, I completely yeah. get it now you're asking um, what?
4: For I'd it. like to get forty-five thousand out of it, and I think I think it's worth that. Um, you know, there's there are some other there's other ways to do that. You could put it on eBay or you could put it on Craigslist and to try to generate some some interest. Um, and I haven't really thought through how I'm going to do this. I just thought I would put it up for sale and see if I got any bite
2: Paul and Judy Johnson, now graveyard cars painter Will Scott and his girlfriend Heather Jones somewhere along the line we began talking about believe it or not will's rather healthy head of hair
0: so the hat thing was went through a couple of seasons but i got too much hair now so so the hat it's a lot of hair to try to put into a hat so at this point we're just kind of letting it go so the magic hat while i still have it is uh is not as prominent as it used to be
2: why the hair thing why so
0: long What, what was the thinking behind that uh, I was working at a doctor's office like five years ago for like a short stint. When I took a break from Mark, and uh, when I came back to work for him, I decided I didn't want to cut my hair anymore. So I just started growing up and it's yeah, we're going on like five years now without a haircut.
3: Um, I love his long hair. Uh, it's really fun to braid. Oh, yeah, uh, like, got... <laughs> we like cornrows, pigtails, and all kinds of fun stuff with it. Uh, no, okay. I love his long hair. Okay. <laughs>
1: All right, now back to cars. Okay, let's go back to cars. You, you do some great paint jobs. But we're seeing it from what you've done, at least what we see on TV. And the cars are here. You, you painted the green Challenger and the pickup. The pickup, Cuda. The Cuda? That's a Cuda, okay. I get mixed up with those. You do some great paint jobs. Where did you get the experience as a painter? Uh, so I started in
0: 1995 working for Mark. Um, you know, he, he gave me a basic skill set to kind of start with. And, and stuck by my side because there's a lot of ups and downs when you go from a helper to a painter that I had to go through. But he stuck with me, Worked. For, I worked underneath a few painters and then when they had left, I took over. And like I said, it's just kind of going through the ups and downs, learning everything and whatnot, spending a lot of weekends. I mean, I worked seven days a week for the, f- the first few years just trying to understand everything, get a better handle on what to do and what not to do uh, just to get to the point where I'm at now.
1: But it, it's a lot of work. Yeah, I can see that. Now, you have your own mixing station there. You mix your own paints, or, or you buy prepack, or what do you do?
0: Uh, PPG, because we're a TV show, I mean, we don't have to. I mean, we have everything delivered to us. We have state-of-the-art everything. PPG sets us up. We have our mixing banks there, and I don't really mix much colors because they just send it to us. Ready to go. Um, we do have a mixing bank, so I can tend, I can do this and that, but pretty much everything comes pre-mixed because we're an OE shop.
1: Right, you're doing restorations with the correct paint colors and right. so forth. You're not doing like a, a, a custom car shop where you're, I like this pearl green. You're yeah. doing the real thing.
0: Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's weekends or when I have free time. You know, I'm trying to get her up to speed on painting and whatnot. So we kind of play around hit, uh, hit and miss with that, but for the most part, it's just all OE stuff.
1: All right, the other night I was watching the show, and there's a discussion about the stripe across the back of a Challenger. What was that, I mean, run through that, because that had to do with the build sheet that Mark possibly put on later on.
0: It's unfortunate nobody told me that that stripe had to be on, because I've never done a stripe like that where you paint the car white, mask that off, then do the blue. Uh, I get the car completely done, got it sent over to Justin and assembly, when Mark tells me, hey, well, didn't you read the build sheet? Well, you know, he, he doesn't go to every car and put a build sheet out, you know? He just puts that out there to kind of make you look silly and whatnot. But all in all, is, um, there was no build sheet there. I didn't get a chance to see the build sheet, and I had to kind of go back. And we didn't do it the correct OE way, but basically the car was already painted blue, and then I had to go back and add the white stripe to it after that.
1: All right, you guys are putting out some great product there. Uh, and both Randy and I are kind of Mopar nuts. We both have Mopars. And Mark gives a lot of information and you guys are, are really a, a library of Mopar information and cars. Yeah, yeah well Mark is. Uh, I've been with him for 22 years and unfortunately I don't
0: have the same skill set as him when it comes to knowing the cars. Uh, you know, I go to work, I paint them, help put them together, do whatever has to do on your day to day stuff. But Mark literally has studied this since he was a kid. And outside of Tony and back east there, they're really, I haven't met anybody at least that has his knowledge that he does. And it's, you know, I admire him a lot for sticking with something that he loves as truly uh, as much as he does Mopar.
2: And the cars that he has there, I mean, uh, the, the fact you literally have old classic Challenger bodies and, and Roadrunners and B-bodies and all sorts of other cars there. Now, they
0: can't all come from Oregon. Where, where do you get them? Uh, most of them come from back east. You know, we have 95 cars at the shop right now. And there's only seven of us that actually are working at the shop. Uh, Mark owns the company that makes the TV show also. So you have like 15 guys upstairs and then you have seven of us downstairs building them and about 95 cars sitting in our in our parking lot, waiting to be done. Um, so most of them come from back east. We have a few a few from the west coast, but like I said, back east is real, uh, real heavy in them.
1: Now that's where your customer base is or? Is- what about the cars you get for parts that uh, get resurrected that aren't a customer-owned car now?
0: Right now, everything we have is customer-owned. Mark has a out of the '95. I think he's got about ten that are his for the future car lot, but we don't have parts cars. Yeah, we don't have we don't have any parts cars. Um, they're all everything in our parking lot is completely client-based.
1: I didn't realize that. It always appeared that, well, we're looking to get this car and this is uh, something that we're going to use to do this. So it almost sounded like he kept an inventory.
0: In the beginning, uh, yeah, because he's had cars that he's, he's drug around forever. But over the years, those cars that he drug around end up getting sold because they're still, a, it's still an old Mopar. You know? So as far as parts cars, we, uh, we don't have much there at all. They're all cl- uh, customer based. And uh, he's got about 10 to 14 for, for his car lot.
1: All right, Everybody on this show is a character. I mean, you, you guys are a great ensemble of people. Is Mark really the way he is on on, on camera Is he is off?
0: Yeah, he's the exact same guy. Uh,
1: the
0: way he is, I mean, everything you see on TV, that that's exactly who he is. Uh, he's a handful to deal with, and he picks on you a lot, and you got to have thick skin for it, but he's one of the most genuine men I've ever known in my life, and he's got a heart of gold, and, you know, we've went through our ups and downs together, and he's... He's he's a handful, but but he's also a pretty cool guy. And the show changed a little bit from the beginning. There was kind of like
2: that friction at the beginning of the show between some of the people involved. Uh, at least in my perception, that's mellowed a bit over the years. But it, you know it's still it's still out there to keep it lively.
0: You know we don't make it we don't make up the show at all. I mean we've had maybe a couple of scenes that were scripted, and, and that's it. Uh, you know we'll go out there we'll do a car, and they'll just film but that's our day-to-day stuff you know Mark will literally come out you know insult me which whatever I've been doing it for 22 years so it doesn't get to me and I do the same thing to him and and with Alyssa it's just none of it's drama it's just your day-to-day garage if you were at at your house working you know building a car with your buddy you know that, that type of atmosphere there tell
2: me a little bit about going back when you first thought cars were really cool what was your
0: first car uh, my dad's always done cars my whole life, and it wasn't wasn't Mopars by any means. It was whatever he was going to flip or whatever he's going to build or whatever he was into. So I was I've been cars and boats and motorcycles since I was four or five years old. Um, the unfortunate thing is my first car and it is it my oh, it's cool though. It was a '78 Dodson. Now those are good great little trucks. It was the Bullet Side. You know, about a half inch off the ground, and had the air air shocks in it at the time. They didn't have airbags, you know, so it was a little pickup, but it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a hot rod
1: by any means. Nothing's wrong with that. We, we, we just, just said we, it had to we be. We just the guys from JDM in here a little yeah, while yeah, ago. Exactly. Yeah, they, that is they great. It.
0: Oh yeah, oh, they, they absolutely. Would've. Yeah, JDM would have loved that. Uh, that graveyard car is not so much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I can understand. Yeah, it, yeah, it's Mark's not exactly the same uh, audience. I, I want to see if Mark starts doing the Mitsubishi Chryslers next. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. that, that would be. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to
2: happen <laughs> at all. I got a charger for you to work on. Oh, did I mention it was a Mitsubishi nope, charger? Nope, yeah. not
0: going to happen.
3: Okay. <laughs> so,
2: all right, Heather, what about your interest in cars and your first car?
3: Oh gosh. Um, well, my first car—I'm um, a little bit embarrassed to say—was uh, an '89 Hyundai Excel.
2: Not that there's anything wrong with that.
3: <laughs> no, no, no. They were death traps back then. They're a little bit—they're a little bit better nowadays. I heard. Um, but my interesting cars um, started a long time ago when my dad started going to car shows. Um, he was into like. Big Daddy Roth and a lot of the old Hot Rods and uh, Rat Rods and stuff like that Um, and it just kind of grew slowly over time, but um, yeah, I enjoy the culture and just getting out and walking around and looking at all the different cars and the different um, eras and stuff like that.
1: So what are you driving now?
3: Oh, uh, yeah, you want to answer that?
0: I I drive a Chrysler 300, (laughs) beautiful car. You go to and answer yours. <laughs> I
3: drive a GMC Terrain. He likes to call it a little sewing machine. Have you ever been in one of those?
0: Uh, yeah. Great. And I will say, we drove it down here from Oregon. Uh, they made you drive down? No, here, Here. okay, no, let me explain. Okay. Okay, so they had our tickets purchased to fly down. Yeah. But all my family's here. So I can fly down and do, do this show for a couple of days and then go home. Or we could drive down, see all of my family, turn it into a week-long vacation, ah, okay. and actually enjoy it. So where most people, you know, Alyssa, Mark's, Lee, Mark's probably on the road already. Uh, Alyssa flies out tonight. We're heading over to, uh, where's my cousin? Westminster.
3: Westminster.
0: Okay. Yeah, we're heading to Westminster. We're going to stay the night there tonight. Tomorrow we're going to hit Sacramento, do some paddleboarding, and just kind of make a vacation of it.
1: So you're a California kid.
0: Absolutely. Oh,
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, there we go. Oh, yeah, okay. okay.
2: We didn't have a chance to see your uh, all your tattoos. Yeah, but, uh, okay. I, I'm a,
0: a California boy because I, I, I was born in California. I love every part of California, and at some point down the road, uh, we'll be here. Where were you Where were you, where'd you grow up here? Okay, so I was born in Crescent City, California. That's okay. extremely northern. Yeah. Abs- that's Very as northern north. as you can get. Yes. The rest of my family is down here. So our summers, vacations have always been here, you know. And whenever we get a break, or you know, between the kids and work and her work, you know, whenever we get a chance, we want to try to get down here as much as possible. And your weather—I mean, it's 80 degrees.
2: This is yeah. great.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. Well, winters are tough
1: here.
2: Well, <laughs> yeah. or maybe the last two days it has. Yeah. Maybe well, you
0: brought it down. Yeah. On you. We, we stayed with my cousin, and he said up till the past couple of days, you guys have had a horrible winter.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. We we had liquid sunshine for weeks and weeks. <laughs>
3: Yeah, we heard no, We get rain. that
1: year-round and snow. Yeah, we don't have to shovel snow, sunshine. That's true. You know. But, but I hear the drought's over now. That's what they're telling us. Right. So the they're going to charge over. us more for the water. Yeah, well, Right, there you right, go. right. <laughs> We're going to make up for the drought by charging you more for the water, yeah. Exactly. It'll well, prevent the drought next time because we'll buy the rain. I see. Okay. <laughs> so, so
2: you're from where originally?
3: I'm originally from Seattle, but I've uh, got roots here not in her California. <laughs> it's not her fault.
0: It's Seattle. <laughs>
3: I've got roots down here in California. Nothing's good in Seattle. Sacramento, the Chico.
2: The oh, coffee. Excuse me. She's talking about well, was talking where about she's him. from. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Go
3: ahead.
2: Yeah, geez. <laughs> you pick whatever channel you want to listen yeah. to.
5: <laughs>
3: no, I'm just saying I am originally from Seattle, but I do have roots down here in California. My mom's originally from Chico, and I've got family sprinkled all over the place from, yeah. I think, as far north as Crescent City down to... Sacramento, Vacaville, oh, okay. somewhere around there. All
0: right. Seattle's a horrible place. Washington's, ho- I, <sighs> I, Washington's horrible. Seattle's horrible. Uh, it rains. They have coffee, and then people put gum on a wall for entertainment and wait, throw wait, fish. Wait, wait, wait. You <laughs> don't throw drink, fish. You don't drink coffee. Throw fish, yeah. Well, no, I drink coffee, but not to that extent. Oh. And then they throw fish, and then they chew gum and they put it on a wall. Oh,
1: there is all of Seattle.
3: You also right. said Oregon beaches suck.
0: In comparison to where I'm at, yes, they do. Uh huh.
3: Okay. <laughs>
1: All right. When you're down here, did you surf at all?
0: No, but we are going, We're trying to get out there today. So what happened is we were supposed to leave her too. Uh, my signing went over, and then my better half says, "Hey, we need to go do that podcast for sure." And I said, "Okay, if we go do that, that's going to put us in the water even later." And she said, "That's fine.
1: I like her already. So you should, yeah,
0: give her a lot of love
2: because that ocean is sounding good." And I could just see the uh, folks on the show going, don't say that about Oregon and Seattle. Oh, yeah,
0: probably. But, you know, if you're not honest, then, then it's not the same. Okay. You, know, you know what I mean? I mean, just be true to who you are and how you feel, and you take your loans.
1: All right, now, you hit. You said your first car was a Datsun pickup yeah. truck, and now you got a Chrysler 300. What was in between that? <laughs> That's a good question.
0: Uh, so it went from a 78 Datsun to an 82 Datsun. uh, Camaro. Camaro was in there. The IROC phase. It was cool. It never really was cool. 90s or something. Right. Yeah. Those late, like 88 or early 90s. Um, Then I went to a... Then I kind of went to trucks. You I had a nice Silverado. That's your normal. Just your run of the mill, what you go through. And then uh, it's like five... And I go through cars pretty quick. So it was like five years ago. I was looking for a very particular 300, and I found one up in Portland. I literally said, this is exactly what I want on a Wednesday, found it in Portland on Saturday, went up and bought it, and I've kept the
1: car for the past five years. That's cool. Any particular car you want to build? after You know, you're working on these cars all day long. Uh, Is there any particular older Mopar that you'd be interested in building?
0: You know, as soon as we get these kids pushed through school and at least heading into college, you know, I want to do a 70 Cuda. I know everyone loves the 71s, but I love the 70s. They're a little bit sleeker without the fins on the fenders. Uh, I love Panther Pink. I've always wanted to do one like that. So I want a, I want a Panther Pink uh, 70 Cuda with a white mod top on it. I live in Eugene still, so it's got to be a little, little hippie-ish. But, yeah, that's the car. Pink Panther car. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that'd be pretty cool.
2: Now, you've watched the show. You've seen what goes on. Uh, is there any of those cars
1: that, like, if you could have one of those, <laughs> that'd be
0: good? It's here.
3: It's here. Oh, it's a it? 71 CUDA. Ah. Yep. Yep. All right. That's so the, my green, favorite. the
1: green one that's in uh, the hangar.
3: Yes. Oh, which the two th-
1: CUDA family. I see.
0: <laughs> which, which the new owner is taking today home. Oh, yeah. really? And we're not the owner.
3: Okay.
0: Damn. Wait a minute. So I thought it was Mark's. It is, but he sold it. So it go, the new owner. Sell it here? No, he sold it a couple, uh, about two months ago, but the owner's here. He's from Arizona, so uh-huh. he came here, do the show, all the festivities and whatnot, and then he's actually taking it out of here tonight.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. That's cool. That now the pickup truck, I, I just saw in the background on the last few shows. I hadn't noticed it before. It's cool. What was the what was Mark's idea of that? He just wanted to reproduce the old uh, pickups or the or, or, or A100? Yeah. Yeah, so
0: yeah, he gets no credit for that. Uh, before before SEMA last year we finished we it's we finished SEMA 17 and said what do we want to do for 18 and I said let's do the a let's do let's do an a 100 let's do a little red wagon I mean how cool is that you grew up loving that stuff and he said it's a horrible idea no thanks I'm not interested okay whatever I mean his company we're, it, it's all on him so I whatever so like four months go by and he calls me up in his office and he says, hey so here's what I'm thinking what's up? He's like, I want to build a Little Red, uh, little red Wagon
5: for Zima. <laughs>
0: and I started laughing. I'm like, oh, son of a bitch. And he didn't get it. I'm like, you remember, I was literally just in here pitching this idea, and you said it was horrible. He's like, yeah, that never happened. I was like, well, well no, it did happen. I mean, so are we, we going to do it? He's like, yeah, it's all my idea. Let's get it done.
2: Okay, was this all on video? Was no. You, no. No. Of
0: course not. No. Of course not. No. <laughs> no. Okay. No, it wasn't, so... He liked the idea, obviously, later, and then uh, Bopar didn't have room for it at SEMA. So we kind of just pushed it on the back burner. And then they called us uh, into September, right around there, beginning of September, somewhere in September, and says, uh, hey, we want you guys to build this and have it ready. So, right, so I, I literally worked 74 days straight, day and night, getting that thing built, getting the body and paint done. Got that all done, got that moved over to assembly, and we have guys over there that started assembly. Then I went over there, and literally the day it went, I was still putting parts and pieces on it, and it was a last minute thing. That was a lot of work.
1: Yeah, I can see, I mean, it's a beautiful replication of what the original one was, and it's really cool. I've always liked the A100s anyway, but uh, that one is, you know, got the Hemi in the back. What could you not like about it? You know,
0: even more than that, I like the Vans. I think the vans, there's a lot of cool vans here, but I have a huge van fan. But with that, um, I didn't have a lot of experience doing it, and it's really completely out of our wheelhouse when you build something custom because that's not what we do. So, you know, there's a lot of ups and downs, but the end result is that thing came out gorgeous, and it was cool to do. Have you got a chance to drive it yet? Yeah? Uh, I drove it in here. Ah,
1: well all right. So yeah, uh, That was about the extent of it. <laughs> so You didn't pick the wheels up at all and do a burnout? We,
0: no, we have to do some tweaking because apparently there's a lot more than just... Putting the engine in the back to get it to actually pull a wheel, so we have, you know, I think we had to change some gear ratios, tweak a little, a few little tweaks, and we'll be able to get it there. But I don't think it's quite there yet.
1: No, sure. It's very standing on the corner there. You know. Is he really? Yeah, yeah he can come and take like really a look very, at it. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, his his opinion would be val- uh, very much
0: appreciated. Don't
1: get wriggle. I mean, he's rolled the last <laughs> semi under glass. Right. I've watched that. All right,
2: car that you had no longer have that you would like to get back someday.
0: Uh so. I was super close with my grandma, and in 1969, she went and bought a brand new Lincoln Continental and a Ford truck, brand new off the showroom floor. Uh, my grandfather, my grandmother passed away years ago, and the car went to my uncle. Everybody has that one family member that they shouldn't have, so it went to it went to my uncle. <laughs> that guy. Yeah, yeah, he drove it into the ground, whatever, whatever happened. So on my 30th birthday, um, they got the car back for me. So it was towed to my house. And it, I mean, it, it was a still a solid car. I had the green leather, interior was in great shape. The paint was a little faded, pretty solid car. I took it to, and I wasn't working for Mark at the time. So I took it to a shop, had them actually redo the car. Um, Cause I didn't have time to do it. And then I got the car back and it was a great car. And I used it for a couple years, but because I wasn't doing this at the time, just doing the maintenance and just every, your day-to-day stuff, I didn't, couldn't keep it up. So I ended up selling it. But when I did sell it to the guy, I have the first ride of refusal. So if he ever decides to sell it or if I want it
1: back, I can go get it. But now that you're rich and famous, he's going to want a lot more. Oh, well, I don't know about rich and
0: famous, but, you know, (laughs) we're heading in a good direction. Well, you said Mark, you know, before you
2: knew Mark, would Mark do a Lincoln? No, no. I was going to say.
0: Mark, no, it was just working. If I worked at the shop, if I would have inherited that car while I worked at the shop. Right it would be easy for me to maintain the car and actually work on it. Uh, but because at that time I was working at a doctor's office, it just sat in the garage. And on those Lincolns, I, something I didn't know, a lot—you know there's so much wiring on those cars. It's power everything. And if it's not electrical, it runs off vacuum. Every power door locks are run off vacuum. So it, it was just to get it up and going every weekend. When it was a done car, you, you're just having to go through and do a bunch of tinkering just to take it out. Okay,
2: let me ask you the same question, Heather. Um, Car, you don't have any more that you would like back someday?
3: I don't have any cars that I don't, uh, or that I've had that I don't want back, or that I want back.
2: So you never (laughs) want to see those cars again?
3: No. Everything I've had (laughs) can stay gone.
1: How much racing have you guys done? Racing? Yeah, racing. None. None?
3: No. No.
0: We have 95 cars, and we're a team of seven. No, I'm thinking you personally. No, I don't have time. No, there is there is, there, there's no time. There's no fun. This is our fun time.
5: Right fun now, time. this is our fun time. All right, Heather, yes. uh, do you have any, uh, racing, sure uh,
2: <laughs> any, any racing things you'd like to talk oh, about? Oh, oh, man.
3: I tried to race a moped on the beach once, and it didn't go well. <laughs> <laughs> I hit the wet sand. Sinks. Did some, uh, what are they called, tank slappers where you go use those speed wobbles and flip over and it didn't go well.
2: Uh,
0: the landing was tank, the tough part. Tank
3: slappers? I guess. I don't know. <laughs> where the handlebars are going back and forth hitting the tank? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. I got yeah. it. I got it. Yeah, got yeah. It. yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That, that probably wouldn't go well, especially
0: yeah. if you were, like, dressed for that area.
3: Yeah. It was an experience. <laughs> <laughs> and now,
0: you know, like I said, we're season 11's coming on. We have a baby on the way, so, and the babies do right about the time. SEMA's do. So, yeah, so, well, thank you for that, but it's going to get entertaining here pretty
2: quick. Which brings up the thought uh, obviously, if uh, you have to be at SEMA (laughs) and the babies do about then, there probably has to be a decision made about something. (laughs) I'll ask Heather first.
3: So, Will needs to be at SEMA. Uh, He doesn't want to go if I can't go. Um, So, We've got some things to work out and talk about. You
0: have the best wife in the
3: world. Well, I think yeah. so.
0: I think, right? Holy yeah. God. No, it's, this year's SEMA is pretty big because last year Mopar gave us that heliphone. So we have a 426 Hemi that puts out 1,000 horses. It's a crate motor. Yeah. So putting that, it's a surprise in what we're doing, but that's just a big deal for Mopar this year for us to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, with that being said, um, her due date is right can can go you know middle of, of October to the middle of November and SEMA this year is the beginning in November so there's still some things to struggle we're struggling with but maybe I can bounce down there for a day or two and then get back and we'll see how it goes but it's gonna be entertaining.
2: Do you are you gonna to want to know uh, in advance whether it's a boy or a girl or are you gonna keep it secret
0: or what's the story on that?
3: We do want to know in advance.
1: Um... We're praying for a girl.
3: Yes.
0: Yeah, we want a girl pretty bad. So. Um, we're going to try to film, like, a big gender reveal on the show, you know, make it fun and exciting for everybody. But we still have to find out what we're having. Okay, just make sure when you do that,
2: and I've seen this on YouTube, don't do, like, one of those, like, blue or pink balloons and have it catch fire and, and suddenly burn <laughs> down 200 acres or something like right. that. Yeah, no, you don't want to do that.
0: No, we thought we'd uh, bring the Little Red Wagon out and uh, let Mark do a burnout, you know, and it can be blue or pink from there.
5: Ah.
2: Yeah. Uh, that would be kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. That would
1: be kind of cool. All right, so you talked about the cars you've had. You're talking about the car you want to build. Yes. Is there any kind of car other than a Mopar or Lincoln that you would consider given the opportunity?
3: <sighs>
1: so it's it's always been a 63 Impala.
0: You know, I it, I was all I was born in California, you know, and, and it's always been low riders. My whole life has been riders. That's just... So it's funny being that that's how I was born and raised to do what I do now, so not many people know that. But yeah, I'd I'd love to do an old school 63 Impala. Everybody has a car that they
2: want. They always have a list. Top 10 cars, I'm not gonna ask you for all 10. Give me three. Three cars that's on your list of the top cars you want someday. (sighs) Top three? Obviously the 63 Chevy, I guess is one of them. Yeah, the
0: 63, well see, that's where it's, honestly, it sounds cheesy the 63 uh buying the lincoln back you know just i'm not like your, your normal car guy that has the special list um i'd like to buy the lincoln back at some point when i can i'd like to build a 63 and i love my 300 i mean I, what, I tra- what year I, is it 2006 okay. it, it's just a great beautiful car and i you know i i just those are the i have
1: i have what i want mm-hmm. Like Randy and I, we always see things, we walk through here, and it's like a kid in a candy store. I want that, I want that, I want that, and then the bike goes, no, you can't.
0: (laughs) Uh, Well, (laughs) I I would like to have a 21 window bus, though. Yeah, there's a couple of that we saw. There's some good-looking Volkswagens over here that we really like, so sprinkle one of those in. There's some down here, too, I think, right over here. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah.
1: right down here, yeah.
0: That black and green one we were down there looking at earlier, gorgeous. And, And what about you, Heather?
3: Oh, man. You know, um, like an older Ford Bronco. Oh, uh, there you go. That's cool. One of those Scouts.
5: Yeah, Yeah. Scout
3: would be cool. Um, uh, The 21 window bus. And I don't know what my third would be.
2: Well, I got two.
0: That's not it's bad. Too, that's
1: not bad. She's yeah. got things on her mind. You know? Yeah,
0: it's, a, it's still a Ford. It's a Ford. We can't do that. It's not going to happen.
1: Well, look at it this way: if you go back in the history of Chrysler, the Dodge brothers designed the motors in the Model T. They were the engineers for Henry. So even a Ford's got some Chrysler lineage. Have you seen my boss? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know, you know. I know. What i going to do if I roll in in a Bronco?
2: <laughs> Jeez. It's probably the same thing like if you drove into Detroit in yeah. like a, a
1: General Motors plant well, with a Nissan right. with, it's it, the same, you know it's it would the same, be like exact what? same thing. Yeah. Right, and, and you know I, what my who I used to work for there was a sign in the parking lot and at first it said non USA built cars not allowed in the parking lot. They had to realize that they were building cars in Canada and Mexico. So that didn't work. That sign yeah. came down. Yeah. Then it said non UAW cars only. No, no non-UAW cars allowed in the parking lot. Then they had to realize that they're in Canada and they're in Mexico, <laughs> and uh, finally they gave up.
5: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: So, all right. So you have the big season coming up. Do you know yeah. when it starts? Uh, Tuesday. Tuesday. Tuesday, right. night. Tuesday. Tuesday night. Yeah, Tuesday night. Tuesday uh, night. Yeah, we went back to back. We finished last week with season ten and then we rolled right into season eleven. Mm-hmm. And it's it's pretty well I mean, what you see is what we're filming. Mm-hmm. You know, there there is no delay. We're we're filming right now season eleven while it's airing. Can you say what cars are in the pipeline? <sighs> um well I, I honestly don't think I have a clue. I, I don't
1: you, you know, worked on the see them. Re- you don't see until they're ready for paint.
0: I, I know d- we I believe we have our sixty eight GTX that gets finished um we have a 71 convertible cuda that's getting done and a couple more you know
1: i was just thinking about well you had a question go ahead yeah everyone watches the show they go ah it started last week it's done this week what's the real amount of time it takes to put a car together
0: you know it 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 depends on the quality of the car when it comes back from the dipper but you're looking two to three years um if you look at two to three years if you look at our cars done now you know, they're not done and we don't we can't produce a car an episode and still maintain a high level of quality. Yeah. On top of good luck trying to find somebody, especially a good qualified metal guy that can save the integrity of the metal on these cars that's young. There is no generation below fifty. You know, the, the, the old school guys are the only ones that can do it. So Consistently trying to find a good crew and a good team to build these cars is the first problem, and then, like I said, you have 95 because we're a TV show. The cars just keep coming in. They just they take a lot of time, and and they could go quicker, but with that being said, you still have to stop to film. So you know we have a new assembly guy that replaced Dave. He's taken two or three of these cars, put them together, and had to take them completely apart just for filming. I mean, just literally. So I mean, it just it takes time when you're a TV show.
2: Yeah, and it brings up an interesting point because we had people here uh, talk about the fact that nowadays, you know, they stopped high school shop, auto shop yeah, class. Horrible. And it's like you bring up a very good point because if you're under 50 or you're, you may be just a, a, a teenager or a young adult watching this show and going, man, I would love to work on cars like that. What do you suggest for people who are in that situation and, and would love to one day work with you guys or somebody else?
0: where do they get that expertise i haven't ran into many people younger than me that actually want to work or learn it you know i i have boys i mean my own sons which i love dearly i have zero interest in doing this um anybody younger than me there you know you have the guys that like the uh the collision shops you know but that's collision is so much different than restoring cars um you get a few people in there but I, I have no problems taking somebody in that'll come to work every day that doesn't have a felony that doesn't do drugs and will just come to work and actually take the time to train them but they're few and far between to find no. and then the fact that they don't have those those classes anymore our community college was one of the best uh had one of the best programs and, and i were and i went out there and did a lot of work uh and it closed down and there's just nobody
1: there's nobody out teaching it anymore and and kids don't want to work
0: nowadays anyway. So.
1: Yeah, we and we talked to the lady from Chrysler who was here with us yesterday. We interviewed her, and she talked about they're trying to push and get kids, going to high school, doing uh, seminars to get kids involved in cars and, and working on it. It's a great industry. Yeah.
0: It, it, it's a great, yeah. And even the guys that that we you build these cars for, some of them, I don't, know, I don't want to be, like, mean, but they're, they like to have them but they're not car guys. You know what I mean? They can't go out there and, and tune a motor or, or do what needs to be done. They just have a collection. So it, it's just, it's hard. It's, it's hard, but I have two guys right now that are working for me. Uh, they have no experience. So that, that's, a, that's a lot to, to take in, but we're heading in a good path.
2: One other thought is we see a lot of B-body cars. We see a lot of A-body cars, but we don't see a lot of C-body cars uh is that a thing where mark one day will
0: work on things like polaris and furies and that kind of stuff everything we do is client based so if somebody comes in with a c body and wants to spend the money we'll do it but for the most part everything that we do i mean everything that we do is just it's in order based on whatever mark's order is with the clients and whatnot and what they want to have done and the c bodies just weren't weren't big enough that the value is not there That's true because I
2: guess if depending on your what you charge, I mean, if you want to do a C body, you're going to have to get it some sort of value on the back end, right? Right. I mean, it's going to have to be worth something.
0: Right, and I'm not nowhere near as knowledgeable as Mark, but um, the value just doesn't seem to be there like it does on the E bodies. Mm -hmm.
1: Interesting. Yeah, and uh, you got to go where the interest is, where the where the buyer is, and what is their history? What do they like? Because that's what's driving your business. It's not what you want to do. It's what. The customer has. Right. Wow!
0: And who does? I mean, it's CUDA Challenger and Chargers. I mean, that's what everybody likes, and, and like I said, that's what the clients want. That's the order it comes in at. So that's what you do. Right. Roadrunners and that
2: kind of yep. stuff too. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Are you, so you're not building anything on spec, where you build it in the hopes of selling
0: no it. No Dodge Monacos nope, down the pipeline. No, <laughs> no there's no Monacos <laughs> coming. No, we don't build anything yet. Grand I mean, Furies. I enough. I know his plan is to you know have Graveyard Motors where you can come in and you can order exactly what you want and we'll build it, but we're just not to that level yet. But we're
1: how, getting there. How big is the shop? I mean, on TV, it looks like a huge facility. It's,
0: I, I don't know how many square feet it is, but it's, it's it's really huge. I mean, I, I, you figure in the assembly side, we have six lifts. I mean, you could probably put 30, 20, 30 cars in there. I mean, the body shop's huge, the engine. I mean, it's a big shop. It's just trying to get people to, fit, you know, to come to work. Will Scott from Graveyard Cars,
2: and Heather Jones. Remember to subscribe to Talking About Cars on Radio.com, iTunes, and KNX1070.com, and Apple Podcasts. That way you will be notified when a new podcast is uploaded and you won't miss a thing. And if you're on iTunes, please give us five stars and leave a comment about what you think of the podcast. Our website is TalkingAboutCars.net. That's where I do a little background in case you want a little more information about the show. And don't forget to follow us on our social media accounts. Not only Talking About Cars, but Great American Auto Scene with uh, Hot Rod Bob on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And until next time, I'm Randy Cardoon. Join me as we have some fun talking about cars.